0: What happens when the world of science fiction collides with the harsh realities of drug abuse? And then we meet a little boy who encounters the spirit of a child. While some of us may run away from the spooky phantom child standing in the corner, others may try to investigate its very existence. However, is it possible that all of us are missing a key question? Can ghosts investigate us? Today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead. I'm your host, Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. I hope you guys are having a great day, too. I hope you guys have maximized your success. It's not Andrew Tate talking that I'm still thinking about Beast Wars or whatever that movie was called, Rise of the Beast. The Maximals. uh, They maximize themselves. They just turn turn into robots. I was expecting them to... I don't know, <laughs> do something else, do something different than what all the other Transformers were doing, but I hope you guys are having a maximizing day, someone or some people who always maximize everything they do, walking into Dead Rabbit Command right now, give it up for Art and Maria, woohoo, yeah, wee, yeah, they're transforming, transforming, walking on, and walking no one's like, I don't want to support your show at all, if I'm in a Transformers episode art and maria they they just bought me a shirt dude that's awesome it's a tie-dye shirt it's a tie-dye shirt it's the only one i've ever owned in my life it's a tie-dye shirt and it was made by jake it was made by i guess it's like a youtube channel or instagram tiktok guy named jake i'll put the show in the show notes and i guess he makes custom shirts and they ordered one for me It's black and green. You guys can't see it because it's an audio podcast, but it reminds me of my days in the jungle (laughs) running around with Optimus Primal fighting the Terrorcons. So I really appreciate this shirt. They're also supporters of the Patreon. They also swing by for the live episodes we record for the Patreon members on Sundays. So Art and Maria, thank you so much for all of your support. You're going to be our captains, our pilots this episode today. If you guys can't support the show financially, if you guys can't buy me clothing, that's fine too. It really is. Just help spread the word about Dead Rab Radio. That helps out so much. If you do support the Patreon, you get ad-free episodes of the show. You get access to our Patreon Discord and access to our Patreon monthly movie night. And what's available for everybody, I want to remind you guys about this, June 23rd, 2023, at 6 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, we are doing a Dead Rabbit Radio five-year anniversary live stream. That is available to everyone. Join us on the YouTube channel. Subscribe to the YouTube channel so you'll get a notification or just swing on by and check it out. June 23rd, 6 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Let's have a great five-year celebration. The live streams are always a lot of fun. I really do enjoy doing those. I'd like to do them more. It's just a time thing. Maria and Art, I'm going to go ahead and start off by tossing you the keys to the hair hovercraft. We're going to leave behind Dead Rabbit Command. Hover us all the way out to... Poland. I'm going to start this off by giving a shout-out to Slavstar. Slavstar is the one that turned me on to this groovy story. I figured I'm wearing my tie-dye shirt, and and tie-dyes usually tied to copious amounts of of drug use. No offense, Jake, I don't know anything about your channel. I don't think you're smoking doobies on air, but you know, I figure since we're doing a story about drugs, I'll wear my tie-dye shirt. This is a perfect combination, and we're headed out to Poland to take a look at this mystery. We're standing there with couple of police officers it's a cold Polish night they got called to an apartment complex because the neighbors were hearing loud noises on the roof a scream and then a sickening wet thud outside their apartment and the police show up and they're walking up to this box This big cardboard box. It's crumpled as if someone threw it off the roof of a building. But it's not just that it's crumpled, it's also soggy. It's wet. It's bloody. And as the police are walking up to this cardboard box, it's actually moving. It's actually kind of shifting from one side to the next, as if there's something living or barely clinging to life, still inside of it. The police are looking at each other, and they're like, okay, which one of us is the lowest paid? Which one of us is the newest on the force? Which one of us is going to look in this box first? Let's travel back in time a couple hours. In this apartment complex is a raging party going on. A bunch of college students are like, hey, everybody... Come up to my place. We're going to play loud, rock and roll. We're going to drink. And if you got drugs, bring them. Everybody, (laughs) I hope you have your own drugs because I just like to huff paint. And I know you guys aren't all into that. Come on over. So everyone comes on over to this guy's apartment complex. They're drinking. They're smoking weed. Doing all sorts of drugs. In this case, a group of students were doing acid. They're dropping acid as well and they're like oh dude this party's harshing our buzz bro like we're, we're totally transcending the universe my man let's go outside and go on the roof and trip acid i've never tripped on acid before i've never done that type of drug never done a hallucinogen i've heard that if you eat mushrooms um, num, num, you're supposed to be outside because then you can see like gnomes running around and like trees are talking to you and stuff I knew a dude who did mushrooms because I've always heard that you do you. It's okay to do acid. I'm not saying that this is okay in any means. I'm not. I'm not advocating for any of this. I've heard that it's okay to do acid indoors, but to do shrooms indoors, it really does harsh your buzz. So I had a buddy of mine who goes, "Yeah, that's pretty true." However, it can lead to some complications. He said I was out with a bunch of friends. We were camping, and it was the middle of the day, and we were all tripping on shrooms. And I looked down a cliff. <laughs> Listen, I would just argue if you're going to do hallucinogens, don't camp anywhere near a cliff. Anywhere that you can walk off. You're like, oh, the golden bridge to forever land. And then you just plummet your death. He goes, I looked down a cliff and I saw an army of goblins climbing up the cliffside. Towards us, you know, it wasn't like they were going in an opposite direction. I saw them. They had like the knives in their mouth, you know, and they're climbing with their hands. <laughs> and they're climbing up, and from what I understand, he basically like was like, "Oh my god, goblins! Go- goblins are attacking!" And then the other people looked and they saw goblins as well, and they were trying to prepare defenses for this goblin invasion. That never came, right? They're a little disappointed. They're all cutting cutting the limbs off the talking trees. They're like, oh no, please not my other arm. They were never attacked by the goblins. So, like, oh my God, that sounds horrifying. That's why I don't do hallucinogens. I don't want to see stuff like that. So, well, I mean, I do. I think <laughs> it would be kind of cool if I was actually fighting a real army of goblins, but I don't want to hallucinate and then keep swinging a tree branch and fall off the cliff myself. But these guys are going, yo, we're tripping on acid. Let's go to the roof of the building. And they go out, and they're looking at the beautiful night sky above them. And one of them says, dude, you know what would be so awesome if we went to Mars? Now, an ordinary person would go, yeah, that would be pretty cool. <laughs> Do you have $14 billion to build the ship? These four, There's four of them, these four college students. They drug out old state, go, yeah, that'd be awesome. Let's go to Mars. So they they do build a ship on the roof of the apartment complex. It's a cardboard box. Now they don't know it's a cardboard box. They think it's actually a usable vehicle set for space travel. And they write on the side of the cardboard box Mars. And one of the guys gets into the box and he's like, I'm ready to go. (laughs) Tell my family I'll be back in a couple months. I'm flying to Mars and bring back some Martian soil. And he gets in the cardboard box and his three buddies, they grab the box and they start pushing it to the edge of the building. And they go, "Okay, get ready to launch. Three, two, one, blast off. Well, that's what the police were looking at. That's what the police came there for. They see this large cardboard box that has Mars written on the side of it, and inside is the bloodied and broken body of a college student who was tripping so hard on drugs he actually thought he was in a spaceship and he thought he was going to go the opposite direction. He's still alive. He's in massive amounts of pain. He's bleeding out, and he's just kind of squirming around in this box. Uh, the box is kind of shifting from side to side and police are like oh my god this is horrifying this poor man plummeted off the roof of this building thinking he was going to go to Mars but here he is what are we going to do for him I guess we can call an ambulance instead of pontificating about his injuries we have trained personnel while the officers are standing there looking at this scene trying to figure out everything all of a sudden they hear a "Ah, They all look up and then jump back and another cardboard box comes plummeting off of the roof of the apartment complex and splatters in front of them. Another one of the college students, broken, limp body begins to squirm out of that box. Begins to squirm out onto the cold concrete, blood just pouring out of his body. And on the side of that cardboard box was written the words, Rescue Ship. Now, this is an interesting story. It's an urban legend in Poland. How true is it? Like, did it actually happen? You know, it's so interesting to me because... The thing with, we have urban legends, there is a whole set of urban legends that specifically revolves around drug use, and sometimes it is like propaganda, like you can have a movie like Reefer Madness, where they're like, ah, don't smoke the ganja, it'll drive you insane. Well, actually, now we do see that there is a, a correlation between rising marijuana rates and rising schizophrenia and young men who are not didn't seem like they were going to have schizophrenia. They won't predispose to schizophrenia beforehand. So <laughs> here's my thing. This is what I think is so interesting. Sometimes the urban legends are right in a way. Not that they're necessarily true factually, but urban legends a lot of times are, there's monster in the water. Don't go over there. It One day it took little Tim. He was walking too close to the water. Don't go near the water. And the the end of the story is trying to get kids from some village in England, to stop playing in the swamp. They don't want you to play in the swamp. You're going to die. You tell a kid that, they're not going to do it. But if you wrap it in the story of a swamp monster or an evil witch out in the woods, all that stuff is to keep kids from going too far from the village. That's the core purpose of all of those stories. They're to tell kids, don't do dumb stuff, because then you might die. A witch may get you. What's interesting is eventually start to become a little counterintuitive. People go... Oh, I'm the bravest boy in town. I'm going to go and find that witch. I have to go deep into the forest to find her. But by golly, I'm going to find her. We did a story a long time ago. It was a really interesting one. It quickly became one of my favorite stories we've covered. The boys in the barbed wire house where they, they, there was a haunted house in town. And this was a real story. This was reported in the newspaper at the time. There was a haunted house in town and the kids would dare each other to go into it. And two kids went into it, and then they came out, and they were stark raving mad. The, like, they were mad for the rest of their lives. They were insane. They had to be, like, in this barbed wire cage in their backyard. The urban legend was, stay out of the house, it's haunted. And they did go in, and they went insane. And the question was that, you know, obviously the newspapers weren't like, the goblins are true, the goblins are real, watch out for them. It, they, they think that maybe they ate some paint, or they were exposed to some toxins in there. The urban legend was telling people not to do something and they wouldn't do it. And you have a whole, you have a bunch of urban legends that are about don't go into this area. But then we have a lot of urban legends that are specifically centered around hardcore drug use. And sure, you could argue, I knew that when I started smoking weed in college, what I was hearing from a lot of my friends, because we had grown up in the D.A.R.E. era in the 1980s, I'm 46, just saying no, all of that stuff to the drugs. And then you start to meet people who do smoke weed and their life is not completely ruined. They're not yelling out on the streets, schizophrenia, running around stabbing people in the head. So you go, oh, well, they must be lying about this whole weed stuff. And you end up smoking weed. Sometimes... You can go too far with the propaganda, and if you make it be every drug is the worst thing absolutely possible known to man, and then you start meeting people who do those drugs, you go, oh well, then you know it's just propaganda. But I've also met people who do meth, and they go, oh, it's just pro- <laughs> losing your teeth. You're losing your teeth. You're picking at your skin. Bugs. The shadow I man. That's all just propaganda. I do meth. I don't. But I'm I'm quoting them. I do meth. And I'm totally fine. I can keep a job and I have a marriage and I have kids and stuff like that. I just do meth on the weekends. So that prob- some people think that that's all propaganda as well. But it's not. That's the, th- <laughs> that's the interesting thing. The stories we hear about Matthews are, I mean, listen, there's going to be outliers in every category. You can have a guy like Snoop Dogg or Dr. Dre who's like, yeah, I smoke weed all the time. And I'm mega successful. Very rarely do you meet, so very rarely hear about a celebrity who's like, oh, dude, I do meth all the time. And still, I'm the number one comedian in the world. Yeah, I book all these gigs. It doesn't always it doesn't always work. You can meet a meth addict. Or they would say I'm not even an addict. I just do it on the weekends. But people who do meth and are able to maintain some semblancy of a normal life. But what I find so interesting about you have, we've all heard stories like this drug use stories where like don't do acid don't do these drugs because something horrific might happen to you but what's funny is is normally you hear something and you're like dude that's absolutely insane i remember hearing the story we've all heard it about the guy who did acid or he might have been pcp i don't remember exactly what it was but he cut his face off and fed it to his dogs they're like don't do heavy drugs guys you might do something crazy that story happened <laughs> that story was actually true I'll find it I'll put it in the show notes that is true a guy was so high on drugs he cut his face off fed it to his dog or pieces of his face if you want to get technical you're like Jason he didn't take his whole face off He only took half of it don't be a propagandist well, okay i think any amount of your <laughs> feeding any amount of your face to a dog is not a good thing there was a story i covered on the tiktok recently on my TikTok YouTube shorts this happened uh, just a couple of weeks ago there were four people in their 20s in America they went to a bar to get some coke nowadays a lot of stuff has fentanyl in it they all went back to someone's house they did the cocaine they passed out due to the fentanyl eventually they were found and the paramedics showed up because they didn't know like how long they'd been there how long they'd been passed out and you have four people there they're completely passed out one of them while she was Passed out due to this fentanyl. A dog in the house ate her face. So again, again, I mean, listen. There's a reason why these urban legends are so bad when it comes to to drug use, because the core the core story is don't do heavy drugs. It used to be don't do any drugs, and then they kind of gave up on that. They're like, okay, we can't get you to never do any drugs, but let's not do. The ones that make you think that you can fly to Mars or that it's okay to eat your face or feed it to a dog or whatever it is. Uh, let's just focus on let's just focus on the face-eating drugs. And what I find interesting, I remember a couple of years after graduating graduated from high school, I was walking around and ran an old friend of mine and we were talking, we were catching up. And I was like, hey, what happened to so-and-so? What happened to so-and-so? Then I go, hey, what happened to Sam, dude? I haven't seen Sam in years. And my buddy goes, oh, dude, Sam... Oh man, what a horrible story. I was like, what happened? He goes, well, Sam was really into drugs. I don't know. I don't know if you knew that in high school. I was like, oh no, everyone knew that. He was really into drugs in high school. He goes, but yeah, then it got worse after high school. And he did a bunch of acid. And now he's in a mental hospital. And I was like, really? And he goes, Yeah, he thought he turned into an orange. I was like, what? Yeah, he thought he turned into an orange, and he was afraid that if someone touched him, he would instantly unpeel. And then be a raw, exposed orange, which technically is not any worse than being an orange with a peel, I don't think. And I was like, oh my god, are you serious? Poor Sam, he thinks he's an orange. He's in a mental institution somewhere in California. He thinks he's citrus. But he's like, yeah, dude, it's nuts. It's nuts. (laughs) Don't expect him at the reunion. Don't expect him there at all. A giant orange walks in with a bow tie. We're like, Sam. He's like, don't touch me. Well, I found out a couple years later that that's an urban legend. (laughs) My buddy Sam is the urban legend. I found out later, I remember reading something and they're like, there's that old story about the woman who did so much acid. She became a glass of orange juice. And she thought if anyone touched her, she would spill. And I go, what? <laughs> wow! How many how many LSD orange related stories must there be out there? And I thought, wow! I don't think that Sam probably actually became an orange. Well, I know he didn't become an orange, but I don't think he thinks he's an orange. He, I don't think my buddy was fooling me. He gave me accurate information about everybody else. He didn't go, oh, you remember uh, Kelly O'Dowd, that cute goth girl? Yeah, she actually (laughs) went to a house where there were three bears, and she was really, really hungry. I was like, what? Oh, my God. Did she get out? Is she okay? Like, he gave me accurate information about everybody else. I don't know what that was. I don't know if he had heard that. I don't know if, for some reason, (laughs) for all I know, Sam was Patient zero in the orange epidemic, but I don't think so. I think that's an old story. So sometimes the urban legends actually get passed around in our real lives. It's absolutely bizarre to run into it. And that is a, you can type in acid and oranges and you'll get multiple, you'll get multiple links about it. Snopes did an article about, was there a man who thought he was a glass of orange juice? If you touched him? me, you know. It's so weird, and it's interesting because we have these urban legends that are like, don't do drugs. You may throw yourself off a building, you may cut your own face off, you may snap and murder somebody, all of this stuff. But really, just the way I guess the world works, the drugs now are worse than the worst story possible. I've still been following up, we did an episode a long time ago about this, but I haven't stopped researching it. Trank. It's that new drug. Originally, we had heroin, and then we had heroin with fentanyl mixed into it. And then heroin, just you, you can't get it anymore in America. So then they just started selling fentanyl. And now they're selling fentanyl mixed with xylazine, which is a horse tranquilizer. And it causes you to immediately pass out for up to eight hours. And your body begins rotting almost immediately. They say, it doesn't matter how you do it. You can snort it. You can boof it. That's where you put it up your butthole. You can inject it, which you wouldn't expect, you know, if you're injecting a toxin that you'd start rotting where you were injecting it. Like, no, you can inject it into your arm and your foot falls off. <laughs> Not immediately. That's the thing. It doesn't happen immediately. But you just start to get these huge sores in your body and the doctors have been having to amputate. There's whole parts of the country where all of the... There's no, you can't get heroin anymore. An opioid addict nowadays is actually addicted to fentanyl. And really now it's spreading out of Philly. You're getting this xylazine. It's appeared in like, think 38 states at this point. There's not going to be any more long term heroin addicts. They're not going to be these guys who are doing heroin and having these bands or these artists who are like, oh, yes, a great painting. But. I'll finish it in a second. First, a little bump for inspiration. No, you're just a, a zombie. Like, in, in both action, because you can't do anything. You just passed out, and you look like a zombie. There's no urban legend worse than that. Because all of these stories are always, like, one-off. Like, a guy did something. He did a drug. He did a horrific act. Now we're like, there's 100,000 people walking around America with open sores, and they're getting worse. Due to trank. Like the drug reality has now become worse than the drug urban legends ever were. And it's terrifying. Another new twist in the trank epidemic, because I keep reading about it pe- dealers have been putting sugar, a little bit of sugar in it to cut it. So it's a little bit of fentanyl, a little bit of xylazine, a little bit of sugar. And people who are using this drug specifically when they're injecting it, they get diabetes. They're like, one one day they wake up and they're like, what? Why why do I have diabetes all of a sudden? And it took the doctors a while to figure it out. And they said, well, xylazine, you know, it's a horse tranquilizer. It's not made for humans. And that does affect your blood sugar. And the fact that they're putting sugar in the drug, you have diabetes now. (laughs) You have diabetes for the rest of your life, whether you get off the drug or not. And people are like, my whole body's sweating, but both my feet are freezing cold. And they're rotting from the inside. People who snort it, they're just like spraying out blood and muscle tissue. Like when they sneeze, it's like shooting out. The one guy was saying, I snort it, and it's horrible. It's absolutely horrible, But when I'm not knocked out, when I'm not unconscious for eight hours, it feels like someone hit me straight in the face with an axe. Like I can feel all of the muscle damage underneath my skin and my face. Horrifying stuff. So we've reached a point where the worst urban legend is not nearly as bad as the reality of the street drug. But it's a crazy urban legend. I really like that one. It's been a while since we've covered... A fun urban legend. I mean, yeah, a couple people did die, and again, this story might have a little bit of truth in it. It might just be a cautionary tale. I but I thought it was a fun one, nonetheless. Art and Maria, let's go ahead and toss you guys the keys to the Carboner Copter. We are leaving behind Poland. Fly us all the way out to an old house. The year is 2008. We're about to meet this little boy. We don't have his real name, so we're going to call him Scott. Scott, back in 2008, he was seven years old. And Scott and his father are walking down the street. And Scott's like, Dad, Dad, are we going to the house? Are we going to the house? And the dad goes, yes, little Scotty. We're going to the house. And Scott's like, woohoo! Every week... Scott and his dad would go to this old house, and in this house there was an old man, who was a friend of his father's, and sold watches, sold watches out of the house. His dad really liked to hang out with his buddy, and Scott was like, "Yeah, wee!" He's kind of like walking around the aisles. <laughs> He's like, "Oh, <laughs> let me guess, what's down this aisle? More watches." Ugh. I'm sure he found, you know, fun hanging out with his dad. Walking around. And his dad really loved watches. And this was a friend of his. And they would sit and they would talk. They would be like, hey, did you hear? Did you hear nothing's changed? They do the exact same thing they've been doing since the 1400s. I don't know how much conversation you can have about watches. But apparently you you can have exactly one conversation a week about them. They'd been doing this for years. But around 2008... The man who ran this watch shop out of his house said, you know what? It's time for me to put the business behind me. (laughs) This was way too fast paced for me. I had three customers the other week. It's time for me to just let my old bag of bones sit in front of a television and watch TV. Get it? You get it? The dad's like, oh, you're killing me, old man. You're killing me. So the old man goes, I would really appreciate it if you guys helped me move all this stuff out of my house, all of this watch inventory out of my house and into a storage shed. Dad's like, yeah, that'll be awesome. Let's do it. And Scott's like, woohoo. So Scott's helping out and the dad's helping out and they're helping this old man carry stuff around. And at one point, Scott has a box and he's upstairs. He's walking down this hallway. When all of a sudden, a solid black figure zooms past Scott. (laughs) He said it was as tall as he was, but solid black. And it ran across the hallway in front of him and it totally freaked him out. And he went downstairs and he goes, Dad... Old man, you guys won't believe what I saw up there. I was up there carrying this box, and all of a sudden, this little dude ran by me, pitch black. It was like nothing but a shadow. Ran down the hallway, super spooky. And the old man, in a very calm voice, goes, Oh, yes, (laughs) yes, the phantom boy from beyond the realm of the living. He goes, Oh, yes, that's Joshua. That's Joshua. You know, I know a little bit about the friend you saw up there. He was a little Korean boy who used to live in this house back in the 1900s. That's that's all I know about him. I mean, that's a lot, actually, for a ghost. Joshua knows the name. Korean boy. Lived in the house in the 1900s. And the old man's like, yeah, I don't really... It doesn't really bug me that much. He's just this playful little spirit who occasionally runs full speed in front of you. And, uh, yeah, he's a pretty good guy. But it still scared Scott. Even though he was told that this was a friendly spirit, it still scared him, right? I, I doubt he went back upstairs after that. But when Scotty was posting this online, he posted it under the name non-discipline69. He said, 15 years later, now we're in the year 2023, he said, "Um, I still drive by that old house from time to time. He goes, I want to stop by. I want to go knock on the door and talk to the new residents and Tell them about Joshua, and maybe they'll invite me in. Maybe I'll be able to see him again. And what he says next is one of those things that is both you go, well, obviously, and then you go, but wait. It's one of those weird comments that sometimes when you're a paranormal investigator, you don't look at the little details. Because I, 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 this question puzzles me, and I don't have an answer for it. Let's take a look at this. He says, quote, I wonder if he would remember me. And I just kind of sat there and I looked at that. Would he remember me? And it's not a simple question to answer. It really isn't. And Scotty says, listen, I remember exactly what he looked like. Like, I've never forgotten that day when he ran past me. He goes, I still remember that moment, that exact moment that it happened. I remember everything about him. Would he remember me? Would he remember the little boy who was carrying stuff down the hallway that day? And it's a super, super interesting question because it really goes to the nature... I I, I don't want to spend too much time talking about this stuff. I could talk about it for hours, but I know sometimes it can get boring. But the linear nature of time and death, we don't understand how those two intersect. We don't really even... The whole idea, does time have a linear nature? That's its own conversation. But would a does a ghost remember things and experience things in a moment-to-moment fashion like the living does? That's question one, and we do not have an answer for that. We covered a story just a couple of days ago about two boys who died. They were, I think, seven and ten. And then a year later they returned to their father, and they sounded like they were in their late 20s. The, the, he just heard these voices calling from the this blinding light that had appeared in his living room. We've had reports of life-after-death experiences. Again, one of my favorite episodes about the mother who she died and she was taken to paradise and she was told it's not your time but your son's going to die very shortly And she's like oh no you should have told me that second part and then she came back to life and she was very fearful for her son's future and then her son did die she wrote a book about her experiences and right when she was done writing the book her son was killed um so, that is not a linear nature in time. The idea of visions, the idea of predicting the future is already not that time moves in a linear fashion. So, does a ghost does a ghost build memories one on top of the other like a living person does? We don't know the answer to that. And then the idea... I mean, there's so many ways you could really look at this. Like, one, how does time work after you die? Two can they develop memories we've covered and i don't know if we've covered it in depth we I, I come across these stories a lot definitely in the world of paranormal of demons we've covered a couple stories like this but of demons stalking the same family or the same individual over the course of years but that a, a demon has an agenda that's different than a spirit so they actually are like i want to curse this person's life i want to make things very difficult for them so that would require memory. <laughs> You're going to have a demon being like, oh wait, who was I possessing today? I don't remember. Uh, I'll just possess this guy. Womp. Yep. But does a ghost, if you lived in a haunted house for three years and there was a little girl ghost in your closet and then you left, you moved away and then you came back as an adult and you walked into that closet, if you did see that little girl again, would she know you? Would she, and not even that she would recognize you. She, you now you're an adult, and she's always remained a girl, this little tiny girl. Not just would she recognize you, but if you said, "It's me, it's me," remember we used to play in the closet all the time. She would she remember? This so inter- it's such a simple question, and and when I read it, I thought, yeah, of course they would. But then when I really started to take it apart, I go, I don't know. If a ghost can build upon memories. Especially if time doesn't move the way it does on Earth. Because imagine if time didn't move in a linear fashion, it'd be almost impossible to build memories. But the whole idea of being a spirit... yeah, I I feel like if they did live in a linear fashion being a ghost would be the worst thing possible if this little kid had been haunting uh, the same house since the 1900s this point it's been a hundred and eight years he's been in this house and now it's a watch store that would be so boring to be a ghost like you would hope that reality doesn't tick tock tick tock tick tock for them that there's something else going on because then you would figure every ghost would be an angry ghost. There would be no happy ghosts. They'd all be bitter that they're stuck in this reality. But maybe it does. And if time moves in a linear fashion, would can they build memories? Can they remember things moment to moment, month to month, year to year, if they can communicate, if they can think in the moment, that's one thing. And they, I believe they would have memories definitely of their life. So if the people ask, how did you die? He goes, well, you know, I was at a watch shop when I had a heart attack. It was so exciting. It was the most exciting place I'd ever been. They would remember things in their life. But if you ask the ghost, do you remember paranormal researchers coming here 10 years ago? And they said they made contact with you. I was wondering how that felt for you, they'd be like, what are you talking, what? What are you talking about? It's super weird. It's such a simple question and there's not a simple answer to it. Can they build memories? And again, I guess there's two forms of torture involved in this. There's types of hauntings that are just recordings that you can't interact with. They just play out over and over again. It's a very common type of haunting, but then there's the hauntings of spirits that you can communicate with And you have to wonder, on the one hand, they may be dead and trapped in this singular location and they experience every single second of every single day for the past 108 years in this house. The other option, which would just be boring, I mean, you'd be a prisoner. You'd be a prisoner. You'd be trapped in a pit of despair. The other option is probably more alarming in in a certain way is that You die, and each moment is new to you. You remember dying, and you remember being in this house, and you realize that you're dead, you're a spirit in this house, and you're talking to somebody, and they're like, Hello? Is somebody here? I thought I saw someone move move down the hallway. And you kind of pop up from behind the bed, and you're like, Sorry, sorry, I didn't mean to scare you. I'm so sorry. And you see the person just going, hello? Is anyone here? They don't see you. They can't interact with you. And they walk out of the room. And you walk out to follow them. And you walk out into the hallway. And there's a totally different person standing there. And the house is painted different. There's new photos on the walls. And you see a man standing there carrying a newborn baby. And you look up, and he all of a sudden feels cold. You see him kind of shiver for a second. He kind of looks around. He's getting a little creeped out. and He takes a few steps back and then begins to walk downstairs. You walk to the stairs, and you look down, and he's not walking down the stairs anymore. You see a completely different family walking up the stairs, new paint on the walls, different photos, paintings lining the hallway Each moment is new to you. You can't build on memories. It's just this constant churning chaos. Because you're lost, not just between the world of the living and the dead. You're lost in time. It's a terrifying story. It's so interesting because just that simple question. I thought, I don't know. You have a simple answer? Yeah, of course they can remember. But can they? Can they remember something that happened 15 years ago? Because if they can't, you have to ask the question, why not? Imagine being stuck on Earth and you can't learn, you can't experience new things. You're just constantly in the moment. It almost would be like as if you had Alzheimer's until the end of time. Until your spirit finally fades from the earth. You're like this for 100, 200, 300 years. Suffering from this. Or you experience every single moment. Slowly time marching on. You experience every second of every day of every month of every year. For 100, 200, 300 years. And you do remember. You remember everything. But you can't leave this one location. And the crazy thing is, is, honestly, I don't know which one of those is worse. They both sound like hell on earth. Can a ghost form new memories? That's a question that we may not want to know the answer to. Radio at gmail.com is going to be our email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash deadrabbitradio. TikTok is at deadrabbitradio. Dead Rabbit Radio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day. I'm glad you listened to it today. Have a great one, guys.